Welcome to 5 at 8. I'm Mark Overman, and I'm here with Linda Carlisle on Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. Here's the day's top news. In this episode, we'll talk about a report from the New York Times on Anthropic, an artificial intelligence startup raising $7.3 billion in funding, Estonia stopping a Russian-directed influence operation, a North Korean ballistic missile containing components from U.S. and European companies, President Biden's industrial policy efforts, and Neuralink successfully implanting a brain chip in a human trial participant. Story number one. In a report from the New York Times, Anthropic, an artificial intelligence startup, raised a total of $7.3 billion in funding within a year from investors like Google, Salesforce, Amazon, and Menlo Ventures. The funding deals were unique in structure, with Anthropic agreeing to use technology from its investors and Menlo creating a special-purpose vehicle for smaller investors. There's no denying that Anthropic's funding spree is impressive, and quite frankly, a blueprint for future AI startups. The speed and size of these deals and their unconventional structures, it's all very remarkable. I mean, getting investors to be both financiers and customers, that's savvy business. Well, Mark, I agree that it's impressive, but I'm not sure if I'd call it a blueprint. This approach of having investors as financiers and customers could lead to conflicts of interest. Plus, the use of special-purpose vehicles for consolidation. It's a bit murky, wouldn't you agree? It's a new approach, Linda, no doubt. But let's not forget that innovation often requires stepping out of the norm. These novel investment structures could potentially revolutionize traditional venture capital norms. And as for the special-purpose vehicles, they're just a smart way to manage smaller investors, right? I hear you, Mark, but we must also consider the potential risks. Yes, special-purpose vehicles can consolidate smaller investors, but they can also obscure transparency. And while these deals might be a boon for Anthropic, I wonder how beneficial they are for the broader AI industry. Story number two. In a report from CNN, Estonia's Prime Minister Kaja Kallas reveals that the country has stopped a Russian-directed influence operation involving attacks on officials and monuments. The operation was thwarted by the Estonian Internal Security Service, leading to the arrest of 10 individuals. Kallas emphasizes the importance of raising awareness to prevent the desired impact of such operations. Russian security services, including the FSB, have been identified as responsible for similar influence operations in Europe. Estonia, a NATO ally, has been a target due to its significant Russian-speaking minority. The Kremlin is actively involved in shaping Russian influence operations in neighboring countries. With leaked documents outlining goals to weaken the Western orientation of Baltic states and Moldova. This shadow war that the Estonian Prime Minister Kaja Kallas spoke about is a clear example of how warfare has evolved in the 21st century. It's not just about boots on the ground anymore, but also about the battle for narratives, influencing decision-making processes, and sowing discord within societies. Yes, Mark. The term hybrid warfare really encapsulates this new reality. It's a blend of traditional and non-traditional conflict methods. Cyber attacks, disinformation campaigns, economic coercion, these are all tools used today. It's an unsettling shift because it blurs the lines of warfare, making it harder to identify and respond appropriately. Right you are, Linda. And it's not just Estonia. Several European countries have been targeted by similar operations. It's a part of a broader strategy from Russia. Just look at the FSB, Russia's principal security service. 
They've been fingered as the culprits behind many of these influence operations. Yes, and it's important to note that these operations are not isolated incidents. They're part of a larger, coordinated effort. The leaked presidential administration documents last year showed that the Kremlin is directly involved in shaping these influence operations in neighboring countries to weaken the Western orientation of the Baltic states and Moldova. Definitely, Linda. And it's not just about influencing political decisions, but also about creating fear and uncertainty within these countries. It's a psychological warfare in a way. The vandalism, the chaos, it's all meant to sow fear. And fear, as we know, can be a powerful manipulator. That's a crucial point, Mark. The use of fear and manipulation is deeply concerning. It shows how these operations are working to undermine the very fabric of democratic societies. But I think the Estonian government's approach in making these operations public is a good countermeasure. It raises awareness and reduces the intended effect of such operations. Yes, Linda. And it's not just governments who need to be vigilant, but also individuals. In this digital age, we're all part of this battlefield in a way. We need to be more discerning of the information we consume and share. As they say, knowledge is power. And in this case, it's our best defense. Story number three. In a report from CNN, it has been revealed that a North Korean ballistic missile fired in Ukraine contained components from U.S. and European companies, highlighting the challenge of preventing Western-made technology from being used in weapons by North Korea, Iran, and Russia. The Biden administration has set up a task force to address this issue, but progress is unclear. The report also shows North Korea's ability to produce advanced weapons using foreign components, despite sanctions in place since 2006. Concerns are growing over the ties between North Korea and Russia, with Russia using North Korean missiles in Ukraine and potentially providing military assistance to North Korea. Wouldn't you know it, Linda? This latest report from Conflict Armament Research is quite the revelation. It really goes to show how complex these global supply chains are. I mean, who would have thought that components from U.S. and Europe are ending up in North Korean missiles despite years of sanctions and export controls? It's a stark reminder of how interconnected everything is in today's globalized world. And it's not just about the North Korean missile program. Remember how last year, Carr found that a majority of the components in the Iranian-made drones used by Russia were made by U.S. companies? It's a clear illustration that despite our best efforts, the labyrinthine nature of these supply chains can be exploited. Absolutely. It's like we're playing a game of whack-a-mole. You clamp down on one part of the chain, and the problem just pops up somewhere else. But I gotta say, it's pretty impressive how North Korea has been able to circumvent these sanctions for nearly two decades, don't you think? Impressive, but concerning, Mark. It raises serious questions about the effectiveness of international sanctions when it comes to regulating access to advanced technology. These findings suggest that North Korea has developed a robust acquisition network that's able to bypass these sanctions without detection. And it's not just an issue of national security, but also of commercial ethics. I hear you, Linda. It's a tricky balancing act, right? On one hand, we have the free market system and the benefits of global trade. On the other, there's the clear and present danger of this technology falling into the wrong hands. It's a real head-scratcher, and something that the Biden administration is going to have to get a handle on. Yes, Mark. And it's not just the government's responsibility. Companies also need to be held accountable for where their products end up. It's a tough challenge but one that we must confront head-on if we're to ensure global security in this interconnected world of ours. Story number four. 
Jim Tankersley, an economics reporter from the New York Times, covers President Biden's industrial policy efforts at summits in various locations. During a dinner in New York in 2022, European official Björn Seibert expressed concerns about Biden's climate law creating competition between the U.S. and EU. This led to months of talks and negotiations to address European concerns and work towards a harmonized industrial strategy among wealthy nations. The goal is to boost technology that reduces emissions, limits global warming, and counters China's manufacturing power. This effort has helped mend a transatlantic rift over perceived protectionist economic policies. This is a classic case of economic sovereignty, Linda. President Biden's clean energy law is necessary to ensure that the U.S. stays competitive in the emerging green economy. Yes, it's aggressive, but it's a necessary aggression. The U.S. can't afford to lag behind in the global clean energy race. And if that means ruffling a few feathers amongst our European allies, then so be it. Hmm. I see your point, Mark, but I think it's a bit short-sighted. Yes, the U.S. needs to stay competitive, but not at the cost of alienating our closest allies. There's a balance to be found here, and it seems to me that Biden's law is leaning too far in one direction. It's not just about economic competition, it's also about cooperation, especially when it comes to something as globally crucial as climate change. Fair point, Linda. Cooperation is crucial, especially when it comes to environmental issues. But let's not forget that at the end of the day, each country has its own interests to protect. This isn't just about climate change. It's also about job creation, technological advancements, and economic growth. And let's face it, the EU would probably do the same if they were in our shoes. Perhaps, Mark. But that's not a reason to act unilaterally. We're in an era of global interconnectedness, and we can't just disregard the concerns of our allies. Climate change is a global problem, and it requires a global solution. We can't solve it by just focusing on our own interests. We need to work together, not against each other. Story number five. In a report from CNN, Elon Musk's company Neuralink has successfully implanted a brain chip in a human trial participant who can now control a computer mouse with their thoughts. The chip is placed in the part of the brain that controls movement, allowing the user to control a cursor or keyboard using their mind. Other companies working on similar brain-computer interfaces are also making progress, with one firm already enrolling and implanting people in trials. Neuralink's ultimate goal is to connect human brains to computers to help paralyzed individuals control devices or regain sight. However, details about the trial participants' progress and outcomes remain sparse. Regulatory approval will be needed before the technology can be widely accessible to consumers. Where we're heading with this, it's fascinating and, dare I say, a bit uncanny, Linda. I mean, the ability to control a computer mouse with just your thoughts? That's straight out of a sci-fi novel. Neuralink seems to have made a significant stride here. It's an incredible scientific feat. But as we marvel at these advancements, it's crucial that we also consider the ethical implications. The treatment of animals during these trials, for instance, has raised a few eyebrows. A monkey died during one of Neuralink's attempts. That's concerning and something we can't ignore. Animal rights are a key ethical consideration. And looking further into the future, there's the question of privacy and data security. Imagine having a chip implanted in your brain. It's not just controlling a mouse. It's potentially access to your thoughts and memories. That's a whole new level of personal data. 
and we need to ensure it's adequately protected. The potential for misuse is enormous. And let's not forget the potential societal impact. If this technology becomes widely available, who gets access? Will it deepen existing inequalities or create new ones? And what about the potential for bias in how the technology is developed and used? That's right. It reminds me of the early days of organ transplantation or even genetic engineering. We've been here before, pushing the ethical boundaries with new medical technologies. Personally, I believe that progress is inevitable and we should embrace it. But at the same time, we need to ensure that we're having these important ethical discussions and putting safeguards in place. It's clear that our existing ethical frameworks may need to be reevaluated and updated to address these emerging technologies. We're entering uncharted territory here, and it's crucial that we navigate it responsibly. That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.